All right. Hello and welcome to Just Animals Podcast. I'm your host, Dale, and with me as always is my dad, a.k.a. Guy. Hello, Pod World, live from Interstate 5. In- Great. Okay. And back again is Sam the Zookeeper. Hi, everyone. I'm ready. So this week's episode is actually a pretty (laughs) good, is actually a little different from what we normally do. So today is going to be part one of what we're assuming is going to be multiple part series. And we're doing what's called Ask a Zookeeper. So this is Ask a Zookeeper part one. And we compiled some questions from some friends and family and some fans. And we're going to go ahead and get into it. So Sam, question one, and this is from Stefan from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He wants to know if he can swim with the penguins and or the otters. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) before I start talk about all these questions, let me just preface this by saying that um, when I say zoos and aquariums, I'm talking about uh, AZA, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums accredited institutions, um, which are the best you can <laughs> so go not to. like a bootleg zoo, right? Not like those weird roadside zoos where, yeah, just the one, the weird ones you see, <laughs> you know, the the weird ones that are a little sketchy. I'm not talking about those. So to answer, you know that, what? It's, it's it sounds like there there's a there's a gas station in Louisiana. If you're taking a ten, if you're driving from like Lake Charles or something to, to Baton Rouge. And they have a tiger there and it's had, they have this, this billboard that says live tiger, like comes and they try to make it seem like it's LSU's tiger. And it's like, okay, you got a tiger at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, uh, not really. Hold but- on. You know what that was? Esso uh, or Exxon used to have a tiger. They say, put a tiger in your tank. What? Maybe that's what they're talking about. <laughs> the, the gas no, uh, was Esso or animal. I know, but I'm just saying there's an expression, put a tiger in your tank. That was a, a gas stations like tagline anyway Sinclair, go ahead the dinosaur yes, yes. I, I that tiger gas station i've i've passed it i never stopped there i i would oh so you know oh i yeah. know yeah 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 I've, I've made that trip between houston and north carolina several times so oh yes yeah, so you know yeah so to answer um stefan's question there are definitely places like that gas station where you can, where you can definitely <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, swim with otters or whatever they have to swim with or touch. But um, those usually aren't the good places. Um, they do nothing for conservation. They don't contribute anything. They just want to take your money and do horrible things with the animals with it. Um, so I wouldn't recommend it for anyone, but if you really want to, there are definitely places that'll do it. Just, I, I would never do it. And also, um, if, what? Go ahead. No, continue, continue. Oh, I was just going to say that personally, I would never, ever, ever want to swim with penguins or otters. They are some of the grossest and stinkiest of all things. Um, anything <laughs> that eats that much fish and only poops out fish is real nasty. Um, it is one of the most disgusting, not only just smell, but the texture of it. It's extremely liquidy, but it has like these weird fishy chunks (laughs) in it too. So it's real gross. Um, it's not like it's organized in little pieces of turds. It's, it's liquid shit all the time. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. So wait, aren't you, 
weren't you conflating two questions? Because the question was, can he swim with an otter or a penguin? He didn't say swim with an otter or a penguin at a gas station, Eliana. Oh, Bunny, did he? No. God but, damn it. <laughs> but no, I'm but with you, you, okay, can you listen and pay attention? It's hard when you're on the road. Um, I was just saying that the places that do allow you to do that kind of stuff are like that roadside gas station, just real sketchy. Yes, that's what gross. we were comparing it that's to. That's what I was, I was right. comparing the two. Okay. That's right. All. It wasn't, to, right. Yeah. Not like, you know, you, you can go to a legitimate zoo like San Francisco or you can go to some bootleg backwoods ghetto zoo like the gas station that has a tiger. Exactly. Okay. That was the comparison. When you're at that gas station, don't eat the sushi. Okay, let's move on. Next question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, next question. Well, Edward ate some fried chicken from a gas station, and it messed him up. Anyway, so Kelly from Inverness, Florida, wants to know what you do with the animals at night and during bad weather. So, um, good question. Uh, Most of the animals at the zoo are required by the AZA um, to have access to inside spaces. They all have buildings that are attached to their exhibits uh, where they can go and get away at all times of the day and night from they can get away from the public or their roommates or the weather if it's bad weather. Um, We actually do call them night houses because they usually do go in there and sleep at night Um, in extreme weather conditions like when hurricanes or whatever are coming. um, We do have specific Mm -hmm specific detailed plans and protocols in place for every individual animal. So um, some of them will transport um, to different places, like we'll crate them up and we'll take them to different areas that are a little bit more secure. Um, They get set up inside bathrooms and offices inside the buildings. Um, We have a lot of behind the scene barns, the vet hospital, those kinds of sturdy buildings and places that are super safe. And we always make sure that there are extra spaces and appropriate places. And also when there are things like hurricanes, we have uh, what we call out ride out crews, which is a few zookeepers um, from each team that volunteer to stay at the zoo full time overnight during the day, sleep there, bring their pets there if they need to, to stay, um, to feed, clean, give medications, do all the usual things that the entire team does every day until the weather passes and everyone can get um, back to work safely. So that's how we deal with that business. Ah, So would you potentially like, you know, let's say there's a hurricane coming, would you maybe like ship an animal up to Georgia or something and just be like, hold this thing until the storm's over? No, that's um, no, because we we have a place to put that animal local, like in in the zoo somewhere. Okay. There's always there's always okay. a plan, and all we always save space for things, especially in Florida and Texas, where I was, where we right. had several hurricanes while I was there, um, in each each one of those states. So there's always a place planned out for everybody, no matter what. And it, it would be way too stressful and way too much time, money, and everything spent if we needed to ship it someplace else. But so everybody's got their safe space. Gotcha. Okay, so everything from like some kind of insect to a Komodo dragon has their exactly. emergency evacuation plan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yes, guy. Yes, they're in place. Did, right? Did we lose him? Yes, Reiner. Oh, I don't know. I, think I see he's his gone. hand. Up. No, Reiner. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Okay. No. What's your question? My question is: When you were zookeeper in Florida and you knew a hurricane was coming, did you ever load the animals on the ark and put them out to sea? Here, no. yeah, just put them out to the ocean and be like, survive. And did you no. have them go two by two? No, that was they. Okay, no, 
they probably would have all gotten in fights and, and never made it onto the boat in the first place. So, no, yeah, hopefully we didn't have to do that. Those, what was that? Car, car, what, what the heck was the name of that animal? Sound it out. Cassowary? Cassowary? Cassowary. Cassowary. Yeah, they would have fought everybody yeah, on we the don't want to mess with them. No. Absolutely. All right. Next question. Okay. So Jake from New Berlin, Wisconsin, and Eric from New Orleans. This is actually a pretty popular question. Uh, they both want to know what you do with all the poop. So this is also another question. Oh, well, there's, yeah, we, I wish, but I, we don't. Um, well, actually, so really? bats. So just side note, um, we kept fruit bats. I was a fruit bat keeper for a little colony of bats. And the um, horticulture team would, um, bat guano is the best fertilizer out of any poop fertilizer you can ever get. There's so much like, cause all the nitrous in it, I guess that they produce. So they would it's ask us term. to, yeah, exactly. Just like that. Yes. So they would, um, with Chicago, the <laughs> bat. <laughs> yeah. So, so we would sometimes, um, gather up the duty for the, uh, horticulture landscape and dudes so they could use it as fertilizer. So we did use that as fertilizer, but on a regular basis, uh, for the regular sized animals, uh, we just put it in garbage bags. We'd scoop it up or pick it up with gloved hands and just put it in regular garbage bags where we put all their other trash, like their dirty hay or their old food, all that stuff. And we'd throw it in dumpster dumpsters that were in the back. Um, for the much larger animals like elephants, rhinos, giraffe, uh, we shovel the poo straight into like wheelbarrows or super, super large trash cans and eventually emptied those into a huge dumpster that was specifically made just for open duty. Um, and then the dumpster, that dumpster was picked up by the trash people whenever we needed it to be emptied. They usually had their, you know, they had it on their schedule to come pick it up, but they would come pick it up right away if we had called them. We just had a um, a good relationship with garbage people. And as far as I know, they took all of that to the regular dump and just dumped it there somewhere. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like that would be great fertilizer, natural fertilizer for farms yeah. or something. So it's, it's, is it true it's that you're much to deal responsible with, for the duty while you're on duty? A lot of shit. Yes. So you only were responsible for the duty while you were on duty. Is that true? That is true. We could not be on duty duty unless we were on duty. We would get in trouble. If we were off the clock <laughs> and handling duty, we would get in trouble. We had to be on okay. duty to handle the duty. Very good. Next that question. Well, that's good. That was a good question. I, I mean, have if a bunch I'm of questions, so make sure you shit, I'd rather leave room for my questions. questions. Oh, we know. Of course you do. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah. All you do is ask questions. It's like your job. I love it. Uh, okay. So next question. Key from Pedricktown, New Jersey wants to know, where you get all the food from to feed said zoo animals. Well, so a couple of times I've been talking about um, the base grain diet of all the animals. So for the base right. grain diet, um, there's a company called Missouri, M-A-Z-U-R-I. Uh, that's a huge company. They formulate and make food for uh, just about every species of animal you can think of, um, exotic animals. I mean, you could you can buy it at some uh, pet stores for like tortoises or turtles, for people that keep animals like that as pets. Um, and it contains, that stuff contains all the vitamins, minerals, and everything that those 
different species need to be healthy. Uh, it's kind of just like your dog and cat food crunchies. Mm -hmm. And then for animals that don't eat by shoving their faces into bowls, like primates or alligators, crocodiles, those kinds of animals, they make that food into what we call biscuits. It's it's like a little compact nugget. Um, they're easy to hold for primates or they're easy to just throw in, throw in a pond and um, have the alligators and everybody chomp down on them and swallow real quick. And then the fruits and veggies that we add to all that grain um, they come from all kinds of different places. At the zoo I worked at in Florida, we got a lot of it donated from a great grocery store chain called Publix. Um, we had a great relationship with Publix, and they were super oh, we great. And yeah, they donated a lot of our of our stuff, so we didn't have to pay for that. So that really, really helps the zoo out when you're a nonprofit and trying to feed a bunch of animals. Um, we also bought a lot of different fruits and vegetables from growers and large suppliers in the area um, that would deliver it to us. For the meat eaters, uh, we ordered that stuff from companies. There's a big, huge um, company called Nebraska Brand, where that's their entire business is supplying meat for exotic animals, just like Missouri, Missouri does for the grain stuff. Nebraska um, makes specialized, formulated, different kinds of diets. They have a feline diet. They have a regular carnivore diet it's for different kinds of meat eaters. Um, that's really special. And then um, for the whole prey items that some animals need, um, like the mice, the rats, the rabbits, and all those, um, they are from a company that are, they come already dead and frozen, and we just thaw them out and, and feed them out whole. And that's about it. Question on to build on that. Okay, so like, let's say, you know, you've got your alligator crocodile exhibit. Cool. Let's say, oh, no, one of your gazelles died. Would you feed it? to the crocodile? No, um, not. What? Yeah. Well, I know it, that's a huge, we can, we can go on all day about this. That's a huge thing in the zoo world. I don't know if you remember, um, over in Europe or Denmark or wherever it was, um, that they had, uh, called a, a giraffe at one zoo and then decided to cut it up in front of everybody and feed it to the lions. And every some, <laughs> you don't remember this? It was it was it was in the news. I guess no, maybe it's just in zoo news. But it was a huge deal. Some people were oh. like, "Oh my god, how can you do that?" And other people were like, "It's amazing. That's what you do. That's what they do. They're you know circle of life. Let's let's feed them out and eat it." But um, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe not cut it up in front of the whole like zoo yeah, audience. So like, like that was probably in poor taste. I but like you can see pictures you know. of it on the internet. There's like kids like just with like agape faces going oh my god i think it was just done as like a, a an educational type thing of look at this is what we do and, and everything but anyway it was a big weird thing so um we don't do it here in the u.s um because it is it's a little it's a little bit Lame. controversial and um also don't we don't now, always okay. know yeah, we don't always know what those animals die from, so they need to be cut up by in, oh. in the necropsy. So there's actually nothing left really to feed out, and if they died of some kind of disease, we don't want to give that to other animals. So it's it's not really done even. Gotcha. Yet. So it's it's one of those things. Okay. Yeah. See, that makes sense. If like it had some you know horrible disease, then you're giving that to your right. other animals. And but of natural causes, like you know the thing's just old. I'd be like, all right, someone come cut it up. I and know, let's go but see, this. that would be ideal. But there's no, we don't ever know why something dies until we cut it up and send it off to pathology. Um, but then there's another reason. So the keeper, the keepers of that gazelle that love that gazelle that took care of that gazelle and everything might you know, not have the same 
the same thoughts as everybody else does because they don't want their their poor little gazelle that they Ooh. love, I know, given out and ripped apart and everything. But um, it's it's very uh, but it's helping another animal. I know, and that's the way I look at it. But not all of us do. It's it's a big big contentious thing in the zoo world with doing that kind of stuff. So we just don't do it. Interesting. Interesting. Now I, I'm probably going to just be researching this all night. So thank it's, you for that. You're going to be going Ryder, down some rabbit Do you have another question? Because there's, oh, I there's a lot of information sure. out there. It's, it's, it gets interesting. I bet it does. I bet it does. Dad, are you still alive, guy? No, that's a good... Yeah, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I'm, I'm still with you. Um, you know, it's a, it's an... Int- is it a zoo by zoo ca- case where they, or is it just the uh, zoo association says, no, don't feed them? I mean, I understand what you're saying about if you have a diseased animal, you don't want to feed a diseased animal to a healthy animal and then have them get messed up. So maybe that's the issue. Yeah. She just I th- told you the issue. I think that is, I think that is the, the huge issue. Um, and, you know, by the time it's all cut up and sent away to pathology to see what the hell happened, then there's no no, no good pieces to feed out. But it, it is. It's a rule. We just don't do it here in, in the United States. Okay. Next question. Okay. So, Kimothy from Piedmont, California asked, what is the most challenging part about being a zookeeper and what did you love the most about being a zookeeper? Okay. I love this question. Um, I could go on for a very long time. I'm going to try to keep it as concise as I can. So I'll, I'll point out um, just a few of the challenges. Um, they kind of go hand in hand with each other. Sure. Um, I think one of the most heartbreaking challenges um, is dealing with the illnesses and deaths of the animals. Um, the anim- these, these things are your life. This is what you live for. This is what you breathe for. This is what you do all day. You spend your time, your energy, everything um, all your emotions on these animals, you're with them more than you're with your pets at your at, at home, usually. So you come to love and really get form deep bonds with these animals. So the illnesses and the deaths um, can be heartbreaking. Um, and sometimes the illnesses are unavoidable and death is, of course, always inevitable. Uh, but it still does take a huge emotional and mental toll on you. Um, so mm-hmm. so okay. going hand in hand with this, Dealing with the public is another challenge, um, is a huge, every day, <laughs> a big challenge. Uh, so some of these, and okay, okay, I'll just, I'll just say this. So these people come in and they harass, yell, clap at, poke, throw things, feed, you name it. They've done it to these animals. Um, these animals are just trying to relax and live their lives in their homes. They're just they're just, they need to be appreciated and respected and, and they're trying to be ambassador animals for their wild counterparts to educate these people about how important this earth and living things are and, and how it is, how important it is that we cherish and um, cherish these animals and help rectify some of the damage um, that the ignorance and greed of humans has done. Um, so unfortunately though, uh, I would say a large portion of these people just want to come to the zoo and be assholes to the animals. And that's really tough. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a big it's, part of the day of, is um, they ultimately so they ultimately do end up causing a lot of the injuries and the illnesses and even the deaths that occur. Oh, that, hold on one second. Oh, what, what are you? Are one you second, okay, I'm sorry. What are you wrestling? Oh, what are you wrestling? We can hear you. He says he can't hear us. Oh. Damn technology. There you, 
right? I hear, let me let me text it. But anyway, sorry. Continue, continue. Sorry about that. <laughs> I hope he doesn't. Oh, I can't hear what we're saying, but we can hear you. Okay. So anyway, I'll go on. Um, so a lot. Okay. So the ho, ho. yes, yes, we can hear you. Anyway, sorry, Sam. Continue. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> like Looney Tunes over here. My God, this is fun. It's like the Three Stooges. Okay, great. Yeah, it was mom wrestling. Of course. Yeah, you always blame mom for stuff. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? All right. Sorry about that, everyone. You'll have to kindly ignore the rustling hamster noises in the background. <laughs> sorry about that. I, it was we your lost, mother. We lost contact <laughs> with the mothership. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, okay. Anyway, so we're back to <laughs> everything being regular. Sam was just answering the question about which was what things are challenging about being a zookeeper. So basically humans are trash, which we all kind of know. And that's also why I tend to avoid going outside most of the time because people suck. And um, so now what's great about being a zookeeper. Okay. Wait, let me just finish about the feeding thing. So one of the huge things about dealing with people coming in um, and the injuries and the, the sickness and the death it's caused by people feeding, which happens constantly all day long every day. Um, so a lot of people j- that get caught feeding, they just Ugh. say, but I'm only feeding them. It's not hurting them. They like it. Look. And then um, what they don't realize is that the foods that they're feeding them are not good for them. And just like humans, animals can and do have food allergies and medical conditions such as diabetes for one, just one example. Um, and they do have reactions to certain foods and they can make them very sick or even worse, kill them. And it has happened. Um, or it can oh cause God. it can cause uh, fights within a social group, a social hierarchy, and um, family members can kill each other over a chocolate chip cookie. It's happened. Um, so, oh my God. so feeding is one of the huge things. Do what? I said I think it happened in our family. Somebody got- oh yeah, you, you and mom love to fight over shit. No, yeah. yeah, he and my mom fought over a fucking taco once. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not happens, even kidding. It happens in every species and every family. Um, Must be so the primal side. Coming it out. is, yeah. The the ones that did kill each other over My it is, were chimpanzees. Um, so they, yeah, don't they like rip each other's faces oh, off? Oh, they do. Yeah, rip they, your face yeah. Off. And it was a, it was a it was actually a parent that killed their own child over this cookie, and that's oh, yeah, yikes. yeah. I know, it, and it's so it's horrific. But anyway, let's on a lighter note. What are you giggling about? I, I was just asking your mom, how come we didn't think of that? Oh, ripping each other's faces off? No, killing you over a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I don't know how you and mom haven't just killed each other yet, to be completely honest. We're working on it. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. World, okay. Make sure I'm there so I can yell world star and film it. Anyways, back to the animals. What do you... Oh, sidebar. My thing is with the feeding thing, like... A lot of human food isn't even good for humans, so why the hell do you think it would be good for an animal? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is. It's I, real bad for animals. It's, oh God! Yeah, there's I, I a don't lot think of diarrhea. You, uh, hydrogenated oil too much in the animal world, you know that in the out, out in the wild you don't see hydrogenated oil uh, or palm oil. Uh, well, palm oil, yeah, but not not when it's hydrogenated. It's really bad for humans. It's probably, you know. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. All right. So as for what you enjoyed, as for what you enjoyed, yes. lighter note. 
different thought process. The thing I love most is just being with and around the amazing animals. Um, we get to know and trust each an each other, like all the animals, and we form really strong bonds with them. I get to see, hear, and experience a lot of sounds and behaviors that the public will never get to experience with some of them. Um, and I look forward to seeing them every day and interacting with them. And they just they get just as excited to see me as I do them, which is always a fun relationship. Um, and all of the animals have such different personalities. They can be funny, loving, or just all out super strange and weird. Um, uh, there are some days when you're not in the best mood or just having a tough day. And then you see this wonderful creature that's happy to see you and that you get to feed and love on and talk to. And it just, it kind of just turns your whole perspective on everything around and can really make a bad day just go the other way real quick. And also, um, there's something to say about coming into work and getting to watch like a brand new baby giraffe, for example, or whatever, come into the world. Um, it makes for a really great mm -hmm. start of the day. And it just it makes everything uh, wonderful and worth it. So that's, that's what I love about it, just the animals in general and, and my interactions that you get to have with them. Love animals. Okay, very good answer. Okay, but if it's like a newborn, what do you do with that afterbirth? I mean, you know, some people they go and bury it or they eat it or yeah, the, they don't. Uh, don't some animals eat it? Yep, most of them do eat it. A lot of them do. Um, and if they don't, then we okay. we just go in and and pick up after them, just like we do their duty, and we throw it we throw it in the fecal dumpster and call it to the dumpster. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. But if if <laughs> ah, they don't clean okay. up after themselves, we clean it up after them. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So again, Jake from Wisconsin, he wants to know, and this is a direct quote, when trying to breed rare animals, is there some sort of zoo tinder? And the answer <laughs> to that is, it, the, you laugh, but there actually is. So, um, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. So there is like a dating website for zoo animals. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I got a Bengal tiger over here in Massachusetts, and I have a female Bengal tiger down here in like New Mexico. Oh, wait a minute. They are differently enough. They have enough genetic differences. Let's hook them together. Yep. That's exact. That is exactly right. And that's exactly what happens. So Ooh. there are people in the zoo field that their one and only job, there's a whole group of them. Um, their only job is to find suitable mates for breeding within the zoo community. So it's actually a make very methodical and well thought out make process. Me yeah, make, yeah, match me match. a mate. I wonder what if are you singing? Sing that all day I'm singing. <laughs> what I'm are singing. you singing? Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Match me a mate. <laughs> you, you understand you're going to get a suit, right? You no, understand so that, right? What is it? Swipe what, left what if you, mean, you no. like them, or swipe right if you like them. What is it? Did, did you show the download it right now while you're sitting next to mom? Download Tinder right now. No, actually, no. no. Download Grinder. Download Grinder. Oh God, have fun with that. Shh. Just download Grinder. Okay. So, did the animals? Did you download it. Oh, wait, they're just sending eggs and sperm around, right? They're not sending animals. No, they? no, we actually send and we actually send actual animals. So, um, what I was saying is actually um, a really well thought out process that these people go through based on um, things called species survival plans, um, which are also called SSPs. You can go online and read all about them. There's lots of information about what they are, but there's different levels, and it depends on how many animals are are needed or available or whatever. But it it, it gets really intricate. Um, there are very detailed records kept on every single animal 
uh, from the very large to the smallest of the small that you might not even think about, like little reptiles, salamanders, little tiny frogs, sometimes even bugs. Um, Yeah, all these animals have family trees just like we do. And so these people sit in offices and they look at all this information and they look at where and who these animals came from and who their relatives are. And um, they look really closely at the records and even have a mathematical algorithm to figure out who should breed with who to promote the best genetics and keep related individuals from breeding with each other. Um, And they take into consideration um, who should breed and then also who those offspring that come from that breeding pair can and should breed with into the future. So they're thinking about, well, these can breed and then we can breed that offspring with this other offspring over here and it'd be a perfect match. So they're they're thinking ahead a lot. Um, so then they make recommendations to the zoos and then the zoos trade animals all the time and, after, you know, recommend. Um, yes, so, yeah, so zoos trade the animals all the time and um, just make much needed babies within the zoo world. And a baby. Okay, so let's say uh, San Diego has a a, a mating pair marmoset. of marmoset. Marmoset. Uh, okay, marmoset. So now they have some baby marmoset. Do they sell them to other zoos? Do they give, no. don't give them to other zoos? Do they have them in a barter? Do they get, yeah. Do they come back? Like, let's say you ship one. You know, you ship the marmoset from San Diego to Vermont. You get yours back. Like, if I'm sending you my marmoset, I want it back. And no, a baby. No, no, they it have babies. Happen. They have an extra marmoset. So they have it, a, they have a surplus of marmoset. Oh, so if if like San Diego has a surplus, but so somebody somewhere in the offices of those people that figure all this out says, "Hey, San Diego, I've got a really great um, match for your female. I've got a really great." Uh, male in Rhode Island and um, they need Mm -hmm. to come together and breed. So whichever one of those zoos has the appropriate space or just like the, the greatest amount of time, whoever is, um, you know, willing to take one of those animals and, and has, has the time and space to do this. um, Like San Diego will send that marmoset to Rhode Island and um, they will breed Usually you don't get your marmoset back, but it, I mean, it does happen or, um, no. yeah, I know. Well, it depends. It, it depends on how long they need those, those breeding pair together. Um, how, how many, uh-uh. offspring no, do we this is a contract. There? Well, I mean, and that's, no, that's another heartbreaking no. thing about being a zookeeper is you have to be willing to understand that these animals are ultimately there. We're, we're there for conservation, for, for proliferating proliferating these species and that's what our zoos do so um it's all in the name of conservation so it's heartbreaking to see that little baby marmoset that you helped raise from a little baby to a grown adult go off to another zoo to be kept by other people but it's um it's one of those things where they're going to have wonderful babies and nature of the beast yeah and and they're going to have great babies and cute babies and they're well taken care of from those people in the other zoo because and and, but and but you can always find those zookeepers and stay in touch and send pictures to each other and this is how they're doing and look at them together and this is their babies so it's not like you lose touch with them at all The, the zoo world's kind of kind of a small little community so we know we know each other and and when somebody gets one of your animals they know how important that animal was to you so um, you know, you, you keep in touch and, and get updates on everybody and everything. So 
It's not like you you just oh, forget about the animal. They're gone now. You have you have a connection to them still. And, and you're happy that they're out there doing what they're they're made to do, which is which is have have babies and be cute. So but it's, so it's Sam, a yes. other, than the, other than the breeding part, when one zoo has a surplus of a specific animal because of their own breeding, uh, is it or do they sell it to another zoo? Do they trade it with no. some? Do they barter it to another zoo? Mike Tyson no, so, buys it. So um, it's never sold. None of this stuff is done for money. Um, it's that's that's a no no in this this zoo world. Um, it's it's all for just you know share sharing the love, sharing the animals, sharing the conservation. So if a, if another zoo wants to, let's say my zoo doesn't have marmosets, but San Diego has. 500 of them and have some to spare. Um, I can say, Hey, can I have some of your marmosets to start my own little marmoset group? And they'll say, sure. So they'll just, they'll just give them. If if it's a surplus, they'll just, you know, or they'll give them to you on a loan, kind of like what China does with their pandas. Um, And, um, you know, if, if those ones that they gave you had babies, maybe they'll want some of those babies back later. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, it's, it is kind of give and take. It's never a, a contentious thing with, between uh, zoos about, about so giving animals the zoo, the zoo that's uh, getting the animal that, you know, the, okay, San Diego has a surplus. They're going to give it to your zoo. Do you have to go get them? Like, do you have to, you have to pay for the shipping, I guess, right? Yeah, so that that's what is done for money. These people do have companies um, that ship these exotic animals, and they have big gigantic trailers and stuff to ship giraffe all over the place, and rhinos, and special containment things that are that are needed for for laws and stuff, and to be legal. So yeah, so people. It depends on whoever wants in in the contract. Whoever wants to pay for shipping will pay for shipping. So that that's done for money, but animals are never paid for. But yeah, shipping can be quite costly when you get into the bigger animals. Um, but yeah, they, it's, it's just so whoever. You, you mentioned, uh, yeah, you mentioned the uh, pandas and they're on loan. So if you have a, a pair of pandas on loan to you, that breeding pair, and they have a baby, who owns the baby? The people who own pandas originally China. or the new place? No, China. The, the China, China. The, the original people that gave you the pair to breed on loan. They're the ones that own the babies. We've sent um, a lot of a lot of panda babies back to China just because of that. It's an agreement with with them that that they still uh, own everything about those animals, but you're just taking care of them while they're while they're there. Dang. Sidebar. How do you get a panda then for to your collection? Did you download Grinder, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I see. I'm going to grind you. Okay. Uh, Did you download it though? And then you can tell us if it's swipe left or swipe right. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, so Paul from Piedmont wants to know uh, what is the scariest in cage incident that has happened to you? Okay, so I'm a, this is I'm gonna sound like a pretentious asshole when I say this, but just just for information. Yes. No, just for information. We don't ever say the word cage, so it's always. We always try to avoid. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm enclosure. Just no, enclosure or better yet, exhibit. <laughs> so, and we also uh, try to yes. avoid the word captivity too, because they both have like kind of harsh sounding implications. So it's always animals under human care in an enclosure or an exhibit. That's how, that's how we like to, <laughs> to that's our zoo talk. So, but you know what that means. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. But, 
Um, right. So to answer the question, I actually haven't had many because we are never allowed to go in with the actual truly dangerous animals. Um, so I would have to say that the only one that I've personally experienced um, up to this point in my life is when I uh, was in with our Visayan Morty pigs. And they are some huge honking wild Ooh. pigs from the Philippines. Uh, they uh, Nope. Yeah, oh God, they were so cute. I loved them. Uh, the males and the males do have tusks, so super sharp tusks that come out, and they're pretty big and strong. Um, all of ours that we had were super sweet and docile, but and they loved the belly scratches more than anything. Um, but I was inside the exhibit um, doing a keeper chat, so. I was doing some training behaviors and giving um, the males some belly rubs for the crowd, and I had some peanuts for treats. Well, everything went, was going great until I ran out of peanuts. I was talking too long, giving out too many peanuts, and I ran out of peanuts, which was not the thing. <laughs> it never happened to me again after this. So the male was not happy with the lack of peanuts coming his way, and he started ramming his snout and his tusks oh, into my like my legs, like my shins, and he started biting my knees, which hurt like a motherfucker. I'll tell you what, they have some bites. They're super strong. <laughs> so, um, and he almost knocked me over several times. And I know if he knocked me over, he would have been. So, he would have probably ripped my pants off looking for those peanuts because I had them in my cargo pockets. That's where I always. <laughs> who knew it? So I probably would have been half naked in front of a whole crowd of people with a with a pig attacking me. So the crowd was like, oh, half naked, geez. being attacked by a pig. Yeah, and the crowd. So I could tell that the crowd was like, oh, geez, now she's ready for a sex offender. Yeah. So um, Sam, so no, yes. uh, any, any any primates try to uh, any primates try to grab your ass or none of that stuff going on? No yeah, they from do. Yeah, they do. They grab boobs, they grab ass, they grab faces, <laughs> they grab hair. Yeah. Primates are handsy. <laughs> they're, they're just like humans. Pretty they much like an average male. They, yeah. They have no filters so whatsoever. Like a typical heterosexual yeah. male. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. Primates, they don't have any also, shame. I they don't give a shit. I feel like that question was kind of rapey, Dad. <laughs> no. You know what? Uh, we're getting long on this one, so maybe Shh. we need to part Stop saying that. We're almost done. Um, Did you so, like that? Right. So to finish my story about about this the San Wardy pig, um, he so the crowd was like, "Oh shit, she's getting attacked," and I could tell they were kind of getting getting worried for me. And so I started walking backwards right. um, towards trying to you know keep my composure and try to still talk to him and ha ah, laugh it off like, "Oh look, right. he's so cute." So but um, he kept blocking me right. and trying to push me, and he started it's still trying to beat my uh, bite my kneecaps off while I was trying to walk backwards towards the door. Um, <laughs> So that's what happened with that. I did finally make it to the door and out without him taking off any any chunks out of my legs or anything. But I will tell you that I did have some coworkers um, that have gotten chunks of leg taken out by biting lemurs. Um, a capybara was another what? one that, that took a chunk out of somebody. And then um, I don't, I haven't known. Yeah, capybara. And then I haven't known any of these, but I've heard stories about keepers losing fingers to chimpanzees and a couple other uh, like carnivores just feeding too much with those hands. Yeah. So it's, we got to be careful. We have a lot of um, protocols and rules that we have to follow when it comes to stuff like that, just because, you know, they, they'll eat your finger off and that's it. So luckily those SOPs must be insane. Yeah. No, you're just almost like halfway molested by a pig. That's fine. Yeah. But I mean, it was, okay. it was I just made so, sure I never went in there without way more right. peanuts than I ever thought I would need. 
So that's all. Yeah. Learning lesson. Yeah, for sure. Okay, guy, you get one bonus question. Go. Well, you know what? I'm going to just throw out, uh, this is going to be sort of like uh, the cliffhanger uh, because I think we can explore this concept for a whole episode. So uh, let me. We're going to do just, this is a multiple part thing. No, multiple it's, it's, part it's, series. It's, it's, it's not for this week, I think, because it'll be too long. But okay, so when I grew up in New York, uh, there was zoos in Brooklyn, Prespick Park. Uh, there was a zoo in Central Park, which was kind of small. And then there was a Bronx Zoo, which was like the, the crown jewel of the New York City zoo system. But in Central Park, the. Um, uh, exhibits, as you like to say, okay, I'll call it exhibit. They were very really small and uh, not uh, engaging for the animals. And my fundamental question is, we love seeing these animals, but yet we don't want them to be like uh, putting a whale inside a small fish tank, uh, you know, as using an analogy. So there's a trade-off here of seeing these exotic animals uh, and having the right environment that doesn't stress them out and, right. and is trying to be as natural as possible to, you know, they're not pacing back and forth, which something I would probably do if I were in, uh, I was not going to call it the nice word. I'm going to call it a cage because it's right. small. Okay. So let's call You already do pace back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Let's call that what it is. So it's not a, uh, what did you call it? The enclosure, the this exhibit. It wasn't an exhibit. It was just a it cage. Was a cage. No, and this was in I, New York. I know. Yeah, and this is New yeah. York City, in Man- Manhattan, in se- in the Central Park Zoo. Well, and, you can't trust those people right. in Manhattan. Uh, I don't know and, if you know New York City, uh, the Bronx Zoo. I'm, have you ever been to any of the zoos in New York City? Uh, I haven't. I've seen Sam? them on TV. I haven't been to. I haven't personally been there in person. Um, but I have seen the ones on TV. Like they have that television show. I can't remember what channel it's on. I don't know if it's like Animal Planet or what. But they have like Secrets of the Zoo or whatever. Um, I think they're at San Diego now. But the first season was the Bronx, I believe. I think it was the, the Bronx, Bronx Zoo is the crown jewel. That's a beautiful. Yeah. They've always had like open exhibits or you know yeah. um, uh, more natural type of exhibits. They gave animal well, space. But the- I'm just gonna say this about New York, especially Manhattan. There is a certain type of person that are people that are in Manhattan that may or may not be known for being cheap. So that's probably why. They probably just cheaped out. No, 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 no. It's not a question of people. It's a question of the real estate. Yeah, and we can go into it more later. But there's there's a a whole lot to unpack there. And there's a lot of um, – that's – a big reason why people, some people are so against zoos, but um, we have come a long, long way. We still have a long, long way to go in order to, to give yeah. these animals true wellness and, and great welfare that they deserve that us as humans need to understand and, and, and give to them. So um, we, we definitely are getting better, still work in progress. Um, we've learned a lot. We've in, right. and, and so it's getting better. It's, it's gotten better. But we still do need to do a lot. And yes, there are still those places. But that's um, where the AZA comes in and the accreditation for these zoos. They have a very strict um, guidelines and rules and regulations for all kinds of things from cleanliness to nutrition to the vet staff to medications they have. They go through everything. It takes months and months for them. And each zoo um, every five years has to get reaccredited. And it's a super long 
arduous process. But that's that's one reason why um, AZA zoos are the best to go to because you know that they're they're either above those standards or at those. There's some standard. There's some standards where you know those animals are getting the care that we can give them. And, and there are zoos that lose their accreditation every year. I, I could name a bunch right now. What does that stand for? So, yes, do it. Drag them. Drag what does that stand for? AZA? AZA oh. Is that what you said? American yeah. Zoological Association? So Association of Zoos and Aquariums. It's the U.S. It's oh. a United States-based um, organization. And you can go, please, go on their website, aza.org.org. Um, it's a great website. Um, they have a lot of information about animal welfare, animal wellness, um, what the rules and regulations are, and how and how these zoos get, get nitpicked and stuff about things. Um, we all have to go through even... Um, USDA has to come through every every so often, and and there's a, there's a whole another set of rules and regulations that these animals have to go through. But those sh- chintzy, shady roadside zoos, like that poor tiger at the gas station, those people don't have that. They just hey, we we got this tiger on you know from somewhere, and we're going to keep it in this thing and pay money and get money from people so coming to see them. Worth it. Yeah. Excuse me for interrupting you. Uh, so this American, the Aquarium and the Zoological Association, is that right? Associ- Association. Yeah, aza.org is their website. Association okay. of Zoos and Aquariums. So is Marine World and those places that keep those marine animals, are they part of that? Or is that they're yes. not considered a, a, an aquarium? No, they are. SeaWorld is part of AZA. Um, all the aquariums are part of AZA. Um like Discovery Cove in Orlando is part is AZA accredited. Um, there's there's every all those places like that are are accredited. Um, but yeah, we can do a whole other right. well, whole thing about. I have to question this because because I stopped going to Sea World, given the fact that I think that that orca needs a lot more space than the tank that they're going to be able to provide. Can we? This is the, hold on. the topic for next week. But yes, can we uh, let's table this? Yeah, table that for and put a pin in it. Honestly, if you want to look into right, if you want to look at orca mistreatment, look at um, blackfish. Watch blackfish. But well, send us your questions. We can be reached at. Oh wait, real quick, just to to side note on that. um, There's a really great book um, called Killing Keiko that um, will give you another side of oh. all of that. It's a, I can't remember the, the author. Perfect. I met him at one of these conferences. It's a wonderful book, very sad book, um, but wonderful. Um, the It's the zoo world side of the whole, the whole black eye-opening. story. So right. very eye-opening. Another, you know, there's two sides to every story usually. So just to, I, I usually, you know, I totally get where everybody's coming from with that. But but Killing Keiko was a very good book um, to read about, about the whole Free Willy incident that, that they based that movie on. But so mm, that's a little okay. resource if you want to get into, get into the other side of it and see another, another perspective. Very good book about to it. Be but continued. anyway, go ahead. Yeah, to be continued. Yes. Right. Yes. So we will, this is definitely a multi, a multi-part series. Send us your questions, send us your comments. Let us know if you like us, hate us. Doesn't matter. We can be reached at just at gmail.com. Once again, that's just at gmail.com. Uh, let us give us your name and let us know where you're from and we'll give you a shout out. Speaking of shout outs, shout out to Sarah from North Carolina. <laughs> She's one of our really cool mom fans. 
So thank you for listening and being a fan. We appreciate you. Hopefully we can get you out to California someday. And yes, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.